Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of the BarCast. So this week I sat down with Matt Decker, who is a super rad dude that I met at the bar. Uh, originally we hooked up because we both play nerd games, D&D and whatnot. And uh, he's a tattoo artist, he runs his own shop in Oakland, he's been running it for 13 years I think. And I really thought this one was going to be mostly about nerd stuff, but we barely even touched on the subject uh, we talk about uh, Kanye West being the greatest composer of all time. He talks about meeting the Benicia boy. We actually talked about the city of Benicia quite a bit. And uh, he talks about being a, a mentor to aspiring tattoo artists. And uh, it was a really interesting and, and philosophical conversation. So uh, enjoy. Give it up for Matt Decker. juice in the back but it's all good so anyways yeah, good. i like a little juicy back <laughs> a little juice in the back <laughs> yeah a little juice in the back i try and uh do a surprise on these i usually just try and start recording but i was having some hiccups so um, we'll just be real with it yeah that's fine i i'm cool with that you know it's funny because when i uh when i was thinking of this you know you told me a couple of days ago that we were going to do this i was thinking well god i really got to come up with something good right <laughs> like why in the fuck would uh that's no way. I mean, I was like, what am I going to fucking talk about? So I was <laughs> like, OK, focus on nerd stuff like, you know, me, me and you, we got a, a couple of things in common. We got the the uh, the the D&D the &D and the sure. gaming stuff, you know, uh, in common. That was really what hit us off. So it's uh, true. By the way, surprise, we're recording. That's how we go. I'm That's <laughs> boom. Um I'm shocked. Look at my eyeballs roll around. <laughs> oh, he's freaking out. I'm surprised. <laughs> it, a lot of people say that before they're on the show or when we talk about being on the show. And, and when I first started doing the show, like I was nervous about it too. But I, and I've thought, I've gone back and forth a couple of times. Like I wanted to make a list and maybe we can hit some key points or something. Sure, right. That's probably a better way to do like a, an interview or something. But I don't want it to be an interview. I just want it to be like a regular conversation sure. with regular people. But as the show progresses, like I realize more and more that like regular people are, everyone is interesting and you just got to talk to somebody for an hour. Well, and as a bartender, you sit kind of on the side of uh, the bar where you're a little bit of an interviewer. Like, Hey yeah. buddy, what's your story? You know, that's and, what started the whole thing. And I know I came in a little random, uh, you know, my wife, Hillary, she, mm -hmm. uh, she she was like, hey, we know each other, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, cool. I've got an in. <laughs> right? I've got an in. She knows him. It's cool. <laughs> right? But now I've spent a little more time, you know, coming around. Sure. And uh, we've gotten to know each other uh, through the role-playing thing. Right. Fantastic. Right? I mean, your ideas on working with kids and stuff, it's, uh, that's brilliant. It's Logan. Logan was on the podcast. I think that's really cool stuff. You know, Thanks, dude. it's inspirational. It's actually made me want to do the chess thing with my kids at Mary Farmer 
and maybe try like a chess club with elementary kids. Okay. Because of your, you know, your real ability to just be fearless about like, man, hey, I'm going to I'm going to take this to the kids. You know, I think that's a real trait, buddy. That's I, awesome. That's, that's admirable. That's a powerful thing to hear. And I don't. It's inspired me. I mean, I want to bring chess to the kids now That's because so cool. you know, if you're gonna bring role playing shit, I got to step <laughs> up. You know, my rolling's my role playing's a little uh, adult, so I want to bring that to sure. the kids. Yeah. I don't want to traumatize them. That makes like sense. I was traumatized in the '70s. We don't, <laughs> we don't do that. <laughs> I, I, it was something that his dad actually brought up to me, and he was like, you know, when he, him, and I are buddies, right? Yeah, he's yeah. he's. I think how I got started in D and D, he had an uncle Sean, I think it was, and it was like he one day gave him a fistful of magic cards and like gave him a, a 3.0 book. We started 3.0, yeah. And uh, he was like, "Here, take these books." And I don't know if he played with them a couple times, but then he got me into it for reals. And like my cousin Jesse, he used to play uh, a D and D with another guy named Jesse. So like I had some experience with it, but Kelvin really is like the guy that got me way into it. AD&D was a little old school, too, for you guys. Um, yeah. Well, I, the first games I ever played was just all verbal. It was like Jesse was like, I'm running That's the how we always played. And, you know, like I played AD&D in 82 until, what, probably, I don't know, the 90s even. Hmm. You know, we used that template. That was the game, you know, until finally 3.0 started to come on board. Right. But it was a long time where D&D was totally undercover. You know what I mean? There right. there were no advancements in the thing because we were all kind of in the closet, honestly. Right. Well, it was and, like dangerous to be a nerd back in the day. I mean, it really was. It was called, hey, you know, words we just don't say now. Right. You know, like you would never say that. And mm. it was really clear cut that if you played that and you were that kid, you know, we're kind of out on the outside. Right. And then... For me, a white kid to move to Socorro, New Mexico. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> Punk rock in the <laughs> '80s, playing D and D. It was a nightmare to right. a lot of parents, ki- you know, kids' parents and them themselves. And you know, my 16th birthday, my dad <clears throat> he said, "Go into the little sunroom, get your friends together. You can have a sleepover. Here's a carton of smokes." <laughs> right, I got a carton of camel filters and and the ability to play uh, D&D for I think we played for like 24 hours Whoa. out in the backyard out in this like sunroom that he had you know we had and uh, yeah my 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 two or three friends that I had in Socorro we all played role uh, we all played D&D for dude but you know, 87, 88, you know, that was the year. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, it's really weird. That's pretty dope, dude. I mean, it was the thing that saved me a lot of times was being the nerdiest dude. Saved me f- from dangerous situations socially, hmm. <laughs> you know, because I could find those guys. Oh, okay. That it was like, okay, you're kind of bottom rung too for whatever sure. reason. Let me show you a thing. Right. And they were super receptive, you know, like, and then you create your own group and then we create our own group. Exactly. Right. And that really saved me a That's lot, awesome, dude. you know, a- and made me bold about meeting people like I do kind of 
here now, right? So, yeah, to come full circle on that, like I, you've said a, a couple of times uh, beforehand that, like, you have to push yourself to be social. And it's funny because, like, I'm meeting you later on in your life and you've already gone through the trials and tribulations of, like, one, growing up and a, an, a, an earlier age being a, a nerd playing D&D where it was, like, physically hazardous to admit that. <laughs> totally. And, like, when I grew up, it was like, yeah, that guy's a fucking dork. And it wasn't physically hazardous you know it was like a little bit of social stigma or whatever but it wasn't like it wasn't getting rounded up and then beat up for having my my player's handbook at school uh which is a big jump for sure but i've only known you at the tail end like when you've got everything dialed in and locked like you show up with a cool hat and a cool like you have a couple cool jackets (laughs) and uh like you come out here and you hang out and you have your cocktails and like you make friends and you know you're talking to jason earlier and talking to so-and-so and like if you feel like you're still struggling or you're pushing to do it, but I only see the product and I don't see any of the, the internal hindrances. And so yeah. like you, you are critiquing yourself and saying I have to push and it's difficult, but I only see the, the end result, which is like, you just come here and just hang out and socialize and chop it up with people. Well, I'm glad that it appears that it works. You it's, know what I mean? From an outside perspective, you're, you're a hundred percent, dude. That's awesome. I mean, also, you know, being, I think a little older than usually the target demographic that I'm used to dealing with. I like coming here and, and having a few older uh, kind of hip dudes that I can like, you know, like the guy I was talking with tonight, like he's 10 years older than me. You know, uh, I want to hear that stuff. I want to hear about how he saw Steely Dan, you know, I want (laughs) to, I want to hear about like how he felt about Van Halen because when I talk to the kids that come in and get tattooed, right? They're they're ten years younger than me. They they they. A lot of times, don't know what those stories are. Sure. Right. His his story about the '80s resonated to me because he was 14 when I was seven, and he's telling a story about those days that I remember so explicitly, but he's telling it from a, a more advanced position where, where, where he has a better view of it than I do. My foggy regular recollections at seven aren't, aren't what his recollections are from 14. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it makes sense. And so to talk to him, I don't know makes me feel better about the way I talk to people that are 10 years younger than me. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a disconnect, but it can be bridged. It can absolutely be bridged. Like if I were to talk to him about metabots, he would have not known what the fuck I was talking about. Right. <laughs> but someone 10 years younger than me might have. I don't even know what metabots is. Oh, man. <laughs> if you know Pokemon, you got to know metabots. It okay. came out at the same time. It's so much better, dude. Okay. It was, uh, rubber robo gang and it was just the huh. it was the better cartoon then okay uh so it was a show it was a great fantastic show digimon i remember that so digimon was awesome i like that one um pokemon came out at the same time mm. well metabots was the one that really was the toy the toy thing they okay. loved like that was going to be the toy sponsor right uh, but it turned out to be kind of weird, and mm. people thought, "Oh, what a weird cartoon!" Dude, 
dude, you gotta watch this. I gotta check it out now. Metabot, yeah. <laughs> Go on YouTube. They they have all the episodes. And I'm nice. telling you, by the time you watched episode six, you're hooked. All right. You're not gonna stop. Cool. Right? Metabots. I gotta note that down. Dude, so much better than Indigo League at sixth episode. Okay. Right? All right. Sixth episode of Indigo League, you're like, okay, cool, a Pidgeotto, whatever, sure. you know? It's embarrassing that I know this much about it. Dude, Pokemon got a lot of hate for a long time, but the... Oh, I loved the, it from the get, dude. Like, the show was definitely interesting, and, the you know, I never really got into the cards, but I understood it. But the the uh, Game Boy dude, game the that came out... Like That's that, what hooked me. That changed it. It yeah. changed everything for me. Dude, I got your game so Boy? into it. That was like one of the greatest RPGs of the time, for sure. Dude, and then there was, you had to get two, and you had to trade some, and it was like, oh, that dude, whole thing was... Dude, trying to find psychic Pokemon to right. fight the Haunter that was it to, so you yeah. could get your badge. That shit was hot, dude. And instead of getting like three or four dudes, like a regular game of the time, like you got, I think it was six, and you could change them out, and there's 150 dudes instead of 11. Like, Dude, is mad. And you could go into the sticks and find right. like wild Pokemon. Like, that tight. was wicked. It was a it great, was great, great game. It makes me go past the Capitol, and there's kids on their phones or adults on their phones. Yeah. They're all standing around together, and I go, I understand. Pokemon is awesome. Have you never played the Pokemon Go? Oh, I do. Okay, because I I started it when it was new, and it was awesome. At whatever it was, two years ago. I'm terrible at it. I get beat all the time, <laughs> right? Finn, Finn, my son, he'll be he'll be like tearing up. You know, he'd be real hurt. Mm. I'll be like, dude, games. These games, they're meant to beat you. That's true. Right? They're meant to beat you. Don't take it hard. Right. Right? You've got to just keep perseverance is what these games require. You know? They'll teach you that, yeah. Or you just get crushed. Or you get crushed and you start to learn to enjoy being crushed. Right. Every you know? now and then they get throw you a bone. I have to admit, I quit Pokemon Go because I got crushed too many times. <laughs> and fuck that. I'm not with it. I don't I'd remember. rather play Total War and win. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember why I quit. Because I was having a good time of, like, I would close the bar at whatever, 2.30 or something. And then I would go for a walk down First oh, Street. Get all your stops. Yeah. And it was cool because, like, I'd go out there. And normally, like, if it's 3 in the morning and you're walking through a park and you see four guys standing in a circle with their hoods up, you're like, oh, that's just a, those guys are going to rob me for sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But when Pokemon's out, you're like, oh, they're standing on a node. So you walk up to you these assassins. You can walk right up to <laughs> Exactly. It looks like the Assassin's Creed just standing there like with their little knives up their sleeves. Yeah. And they're like, what's up, bro? Yeah. And you're, and you're oh. like, I'm ready to battle, dude. And then they're, there's, oh, I just dropped a thing and we're going to, you know, farm fucking it. Fucking fantastic. Have you ever seen the movie that's Warriors? Cool. Have oh. you ever seen that? Yeah, yeah. 70s street gangs were never this nice. <laughs> you know what I mean? You could not fucking, you could not go to a Pokestop and get some free Pokeballs, right, in the Warriors' times, dude. Oh, no you way. had to run for your life. Yeah. You had to get back to Coney Island, dude. <laughs> but I, that, for me, was, like, the, the coolest of, of just, like, meeting strangers in a dark park, you know, like, hoods up, hands in their pockets, and then you just hang out with them for 15, 20 minutes. And then some guy would come up from first street and he's like, I just caught a Lapras on the pier. And then everyone would just bomb down to the end of that's first. Amazing. Like, I got to get one. I'm sorry, but that's, a, <laughs> that's amazing. That's yeah. community. You know what sure. I mean? Like that's r random strangers right. in the night playing a communal thing. Mm -hmm. That's like social bonding. Right. Right. Like the first civilizations talked about how 
a social bond was the thing that kept them together, right? Like we all believe in uh, uh, Ahura Mazda or, or whatever it is, you know, we all want uh, beer. Right. And so we believe in this thing together, right? So you're meeting with your community at three in the morning yeah. in random parks with hoods up. Yep. And you're like, dudes, we are together. It was cool. It was very cool. So that like, that's fantastic. Fast forward two years to like the coronavirus situation that we're, we're in. And mm -hmm. I was just talking today, talking to somebody and they were saying, oh, it's just nice to, to be inside and, and talk to other people. And the guy said, you know, it's, if I drink at home, it's a quarter of the price, but it's not about the money. It's about going out and talking to other people. And it was especially meaningful because the person in question is not strong in the social skills department. Yeah. And I, I know yeah. this guy. And uh, still, he really wants right. to have a connection with the people. I mean, I've been to a few AA meetings in my life. And you know what they talk about when you're drinking by yourself? Hmm. The saddest of times. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Fair. Uh, now, that being said, I enjoy a beer by myself, you know. I drink by myself all the time. S smoking a J and watching some YouTube. I don't want to be bothered, and that's yeah. fantastic. But, dude, if you're... Don't be blacking out by yourself. If you're hitting it hard during yeah. Corona, dude, I feel for you. You know what I mean? I mean, God, I got a beer gut because this <laughs> year, you know what I mean? I, I, I've, uh, I've been hitting it hard myself. Hmm. But I'll tell you, those nights where you're like up until whatever time and you're like, fuck, I'm still all alone. And you've watched everything on YouTube. That, right. You know, you're like, God, I got to subscribe to new, some, some new shit. <laughs> like, you know, maybe I should look at like tree videos. Like, what could I get into? Right. You know, like all my interests, I fried out. Dude, that's a sad state. It's you been know? brutal. And for. It has been brutal. The, the kind of the way the conversation went was bars have are always and have to always be wickedly more expensive than drinking at home because the profit is from the consumption of the alcohol. So it's it's not, you know, a lot of and the kids the will say the reason it. why we pay that much more is to be here right. with you. It's you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to just get loaded. Right. I want to socially engage. And the liquor allows me to socially engage. Right. And the place I can do it is in the bar pool, you know? Yeah. So there's two things to that and and one of uh bruce the owner his wise man one of his sayings is you, you know people don't come to a bar to get drunk they come to to socialize and because uh, i can get drunk in my garage for way cheaper really easily yeah you know and so and he also says we're not selling alcohol we're selling a good time and uh i think that the way that that works is alcohol helps you know, reduce inhibitions. So it makes people a little sure. bit more outgoing. Yeah. Um, and it's socially acceptable in a bar to talk to strangers. Exactly. It's not socially acceptable to talk to people in the grocery store or, or on at the subway at or, subway or yeah. DMV or yeah. on the street. Like if you walk down the street and you say hi to somebody, they look at you like you're a fucking child toucher. I like know it's funny half the time. So you mentioned the DMV when I was at the DMV last, I made sure to, so we're in, uh, kind of racially tense times mm -hmm. 
and so I'm very sensitive to this. I want to be. I want to be very. I want to. I want to treat my community, no matter who they are. I want to say hello. I want to say thank you. Sure. All these things. So I'm at the DMV. And I made a point to say thank you to that guy mm -hmm. when I was done. Oh, that guy helped me. Oh, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to walk all the way around and go, hey, thanks, man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like uh, these social interactions, I think, are fucking super important, you know? And if we're walking around being mad about these things, uh, it's not helping our community, you know? It's really not. I, I have a thing recently that is progressively upsetting me, and I try and be open-minded about everything, which we kind of talked about right before mm -hmm. the podcast started. Mm -hmm. But I get very upset when I go somewhere and spend money, and the person doesn't look me in the fucking eyes once or acknowledge oh. that I exist. Sure. And like you, I always go out of my way to say, hey, thanks, dude, I appreciate it. Or, hey, hey I always say thank you or something. Totally. Appreciate you, man. You know, thanks for the Slurpee. And if they're on the phone looking at another phone and then they just put in numbers and take my money, like just look me in the eyeballs for half a second and just acknowledge that I exist. And I feel like I'm like I went from like 30 to 70 because yeah. I, this bothers me a lot now. But it's I think it upsets me because I try so hard to acknowledge everyone that does anything like, sure. dude, it's 4 a.m. at 7-Eleven. I bought a Snickers bar like that's probably wasn't your aspirations when you're a kid. But you're here. I'm grateful that you're here. That's why I'm saying thank you. Because I wanted something at 4 in the morning, and you were fucking here. And if you weren't, I wouldn't have got it. So thank you for being here, dude. I appreciate it. And I'm I just want, like, a smidgen of that returned. Or just acknowledge that I exist. I don't know. I, I think you deserve it. I do. But I'm going to say this to people, and I think it's important that everyone hears it, actually. We are all maxed out. Hmm. Have you not been maxed out over this year? I know that my stress level is maxed out. And when I call the Federal Tax Bureau or I call, you know, my things, when I deal sure. with my things, my business kind of stuff, everyone is up to here with right. it. You know what I mean? Like That's they're true. short, they're hard, they're up to here with it. And so... At this point, I'm really trying to maximize my understanding hmm. for other people's position um, because whatever their job is, whatever their life is, right? Before, I used to kind of diminish that and go, oh, fuck, man, deal with it. Hmm. You know what I mean? But after COVID, after being locked up in it for a year, all of us. Right. Rich guy, poor guy, cool guy, shit guy, whatever it, <laughs> whatever it is. I have I have real compassion for it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like um I'm not I'm on the phone and I'm not getting the answer that I want to hear, you know what I mean? And I hang up angry. I have to know that that person has been dealing with the same shit year that I have been dealing with. Different stuff, different parameters, you know what I mean? But I think at right now I need to give people the benefit of the doubt more than I ever have. Hmm. That's kind of what I'm saying. That's a good point. You know? Yeah, because we're we're all have gone through it. We've all gone through it. We're all yeah. taxed. Everyone's just as mad as I am. Right. Some people take it better. Some people take it worse. That's a good point, for sure. Absolutely. In fact, I feel like I'm a little. I have an easier time 
you know, because of whatever my situation is or whatever grace I've been given, I have an easier time. So I try to, at this point, be more accommodating. So here's the old, I'm going to flip this around on you, the old switcheroo. Mm -hmm. So all of the, and uh, I literally lived in my mom's basement, mom and my dad, but the mm -hmm. old proverb is you live in your mom's basement playing D&D. &D. This mm -hmm. actually was my life for an extended period of time. But if you if you grew up or, you know, spent some time in that scenario of being a nerdy loner, like there's a lot of detriment to that. But when this whole thing came around, like I'm really good at spending time by myself or with very few people. So I think that has helped me get through this better than others. And for the first like three months, I was like, sure. this is my jam. <laughs> yeah, you're like, this like, is paradise. <laughs> the planet's closed. I'm going to get my Borderlands on. I'm going to play. We're Zoom gonna, me in, baby. Yeah, we're doing Zoom D&D. &D. We're yeah. doing it. I was playing whatever, two or three games. I signed up for as many games as I could. It was overwhelming. Me too. But yeah, I know I got over. At first, I was like, let's do it, suckas. I'm barely working. I'm getting some government cheese. And I got a, I got three or four months. And then it's like finally started like, uh, okay, I got a. I'm doing better than others, but it still gets to grind on you. And then six months, eight months, ten months, eleven come months. Come on, come on, Matt. You're you're a bartender, dude. You're not a Zoom guy. You know what I mean? I right. I feel this. I feel this in my own life. Like, uh, yeah. So I had some really cool campaigns that went on. I'm glad I had that. My wife is glad that I had that. Yeah. Because I would have gone bonkers. Yeah. You know. Something. But the truth is, I started to get desperate. I started to show up here, you know what I mean? <laughs> to to make to make some fucking connections, yeah. dude. Because I I was dipping. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, dude, I can't go Tom Hanks mazes and monsters freak out. <laughs> you know what I mean? I gotta I gotta keep on the planet. Yeah. And so, you know, it was really important f for me to find some touchstones. As lucky as I was to have that time to really del delve into my campaigns, which was great. Mm -hmm. Fantastic campaign. Never forget them. Got to play with people that usually I would only see at conventions. Okay. Right? But, you know, every time before I would try to come here and meet people I didn't know. Because for me, I'm, I'm – my wife at least tells me I'm an extrovert. Well, of course I am. I'm a tattoo artist. You know, I, I like to meet people. I had to have that, right? But I'd have gone crazy without that. Yeah. You know, if I wouldn't have been able to sneak in here every once in a while, dude, and meet some randoms. Right. You know, find some common ground with humanity. Mm -hmm. I'd have been in my garage, like, half nude screaming at the corner, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a thing that I hasn't been addressed during this whole lockdown shutdown. And it's socializing is so important for all of us. And like, I'm a reclusive dude, but it even got mm -hmm. to me. And there was a point where it got to me and I realized like, if it's getting to me, it's gotta be horrible for the, the regular person or the general population. And it's totally, but nobody talks about it. And it, you know, you were here when we'd shut everything down and, and the guy called on the phone and asked if we were open. And I said, no. And is, and it happens all the time. He goes, do you just, just want to talk? talk? He straight up said, yeah. do you just want to talk to me for a minute? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, dude. Because I've got 
you know, six of the things going on right now in the immediate. You and I had planned this. You'd already been hanging out and waiting. But you have to take whatever. I spent a minute on the phone with the guy. At that minute, maybe he needed that. Or, you know, you never know what somebody needs. But I'll throw another 60 seconds towards someone. When shall I'm we shall we look at things. the suicide statistics no, for the last year? It's like, awful. let's not. It's so bad. It's terrible. Yeah. And it and it spans from children to adults to elderly. You know what I mean? It's harsh. It's not been easy. Yeah. It's not been easy. And as somebody who really loves to talk to 20, 30 people a day, you know, in my business, that's very easy to do every day. Right. I needed to come here and meet some people. You know what I mean? Even if it yeah. was scary for me. And Matt, I'm going to tell you, it was, it was a little scary. You know what I mean? Like being uh, from Oakland and feeling like, oh, man, fuck, you know, am I going to fit in at all? Mm. You know, feeling like, oh, shit, this is all a little. It's all a little a little white, you know, I like. Um, am I going to stand out to, you know, my funny hat, my tiger shirt or whatever, you know, it's a cool hat. But I have found that actually this town is far more receptive to talking about differences mm. and being cool with it in this context right. than I would have expected. And I've learned to kind of love the town that I've come to and live in now because of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I absolutely. And I, I didn't know there were so many ex. I mean, I would say there were expats, you know, <laughs> but motherfuckers, you know, they're like, yeah, dude, I know the whole kinks, you know, catalog, dude. You mm -hmm. want to talk about Captain Beefheart? Yeah, I'm here for you. <laughs> right. And I was like, really? Yeah. You guys are up here. That's fantastic. It's a really diverse mentality. Um, and you know, especially here, like we're the last of the old bars in town. Uh, it's the only bar that made it every, every bar in town was an absolute dive bar. And then mm -hmm. every single other bar died and then was reborn as a new age bar 10 or 15 years ago or something like that. Mm -hmm. And bottom of the fifth is the only one that remained, but it went through a change. Like they remodeled, they, you know, cleaned up a bit, but it's still like you look around. It was the, what, the, the sun downer or sundowner was a place right across the street. There was the sundowner and then. Um, the relic was called something else called um, choices, choices or pastimes and pastimes. rookies was the other one. I don't remember which one was which, but it was choices and pastimes. S so I know a bunch of artists friends that came from Benicia when I was living in Oakland, they came from Benicia. They would talk about these old bars. Sure. Right. And they would be like, Oh yeah, you got to go check this place out. Right. And then I met my wife and we started coming up here. Uh, she would talk about this place that was like a coffee place that would the cafe have or a company of wolves company of wolves. Yeah, she that was where all the weirdos place. went. That was the joint. Yeah. Right. Like, uh, you know, where's the revival? That's what I say. There's a lot of young uh, vigor. Hmm. There's a lot of uh, new, you know, um, passion. And I hope that it doesn't just leave the town and go, well, now we're, you know, fucking 20 and we're leaving. We're going to do right. our dream down there. Right. Like when I look at Benicia downtown, I see a bunch of uh, boomers that have their businesses. Mm -hmm. 
They want to keep their businesses. But now I see one house. Right. Farm and Flower. It's yeah. a chain, but whatever. I didn't know that. Yeah, they're a chain. They okay. believe in Jesus, too. But I've <laughs> okay. got a lot of hang-ups, so that's on me. <laughs> that's not on them. That's okay. on me. And then, uh, and now we've got the Mayor Island coming right. in, right? Like, we've got some hip, really cool shit coming in. I think that the uh, new Nepalese place, right? Uh, Where's that going to be? Uh, uh, oh, it's where Kinder's was. Oh, okay. Uh, the Burmese place. I'm I'm sorry. It's the Burmese place. Oh, that place is fantastic. Dude, it's fan-fucking-tastic, Yeah, that place is dude. great. Like, we have hip, really hip stuff coming in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I just I hope it inspires the young folks of this very town, you know, like where's the company of wolves? Right. Where's that place that you can do your slam poetry? You know, where's that place that you can have role playing night? You know, it's kind of it's dying out because there was more of that when I was young and it's it's definitely dying out. And even in like, I think that's sad. I don't want. Sure. First Street to become so homogenized that it's just like, uh, you know, no fear dudes walking up and down with their sunglasses backwards and, you know, like, I want to get a good beer and a steak, you know, like we (laughs) need more than that. I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying that there could be more than that. Zeppelin Comics. Right. Fucking fantastic. That lady and that store fantastic right we need we just need more of that a little more inspiration yeah people going i can do this i can make this so i did this in oakland right i know it could happen here it can happen it's it's hard because it's expensive and you know rent and commercial rent here in town is, is very very high especially on downtown first street super dumb i think that there needs to be an east side Shopping district. They're That's kind of working on that. They just drafted out a, f- a little foot plan around here, but like that old sundowner it's needs like to be bulldozed and replaced with something. Thank you. Uh, get get the old meth remnants out of there, dude. It's so bad, so bad. But it's there is some cool character to this town, uh, but there also is like it is. So when my mom was born here, it was a dumpy town. Uh, that had just gotten out of the heels of, of whorehouses and bootlegging. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, and actually, I've talked to a guy f- from here, and he said his his dad was offered a building on First Street for something like ten grand, and he was like, no, never buy anything in Benicia. That town is a bunch of garbage. I've heard this very thing from uh, people that were, uh, you know, 60-plus. Right. And they were like, no, we always lived in Vallejo. Right. Because that's where the badass shit was happening. Yeah. That's where you could make money. Benicia right. was a dump. Yeah, it was. And it's right? in 70-something years. It is absolutely 180 to where, Do like. Do you know what the median house cost is to buy a house right here? It's got to right be. Now? 700000 Holy smokes. $700,000, my man. Crazy. That's fucking bonkers, dude. So that's bonkers. My... My mom was born here, and it was still like I don't know, hundred something people in her high school or something. And then I came forty years later, thirty thirty years later after that. And when I was growing up, there was still like there was still some poor people, 
when I was among them, but we were the minority. And now they're all gone. And now it's like all like solid middle, almost all solid they're middle class. They're not all gone. They're not all gone. There's some. Over here on the east side, dude, we right. still have some low. Sure. Um, but they're significantly the less. The way that they're kind of positioned makes me a little bit upset, to tell you the truth. Right? Like, well, I, th- I think that it's weird that it's all on the east side. Yeah. I think that it's weird that the trailer parks over here are let to just be whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't mind some nice fucking apartment buildings for some low income. That should be all over. That should not only be on the east side, but it should be on the west side. Right. It should be up in Southampton. Right. You know what I mean? It should be all around this fucking town because that's what low income housing is. Right. It's giving people access to individuals that might not be that. So if my kids grow up in my condo or my apartment building that's a little low rent but they're surrounded by people with more opportunity do you know what happens to them you know let's just look at the studies Hmm. like when they're involved in a community that is upwardly mobile when my low rent children are able to look at their high rent friends do you know what happens to them Hmm. They go to college. They do better. They shoot for the stars. Hmm. You know what I mean? When they look around and all they see are people in a depressed status, then we get into legacy of ghetto. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's no good. You know, I, I think that the wealth of this town should propagate, right? And, 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 and lend to the advancement of, People that don't have the same opportunity. That's a you know a good way to look at it. Seven hundred and fifty thousand median price of a house That's here. That's crazy. You know what I mean? I think my ma's house was like forty grand or something when she bought it thirty Boom. years ago. Thirty years ago. And it's one generation ago. East H is right down the street. And uh now it's you know, it's worth Apparently, uh, uh, probably not, but maybe five or six. I mean, here's the thing. Two years ago, I bought a house for four. Now it's crazy. valued at like five and a half, near six. Right? Wild, it's Crazy. Absolutely wild. But it, it is a, a cool, quirky, strange town, but it has a lot of hangups on, on trying to be uh, nicer and nicer. And there's kind of like they, mm-hmm. they flip-flop back and forth on that, but it's... Well, I think it's a cool town because we have the option to decide what we feel is nicer. Hmm. You know, like you in a town of this size really could have a loud voice. That's true. You That's know what definitely I mean? true. With all the people that you know. Right. You know what I mean? You could have a real uh, motivating voice. I'm going to grab a beer, but keep going. Right. And I think that's a little bit rare. You know? The community itself and land is not expanding at all. Right. You know, like it's very hemmed in. There's there's no yeah. room for expansion, really. They barely ever let anyone build more into the because like, there, there's a lot of hills in Benicia, but they're very frugal about turning it into new track homes or, or new uh, whatever that's called residential spots. 
Real could it could that. it be that um, I think that oil companies buy land around? I mean, I I don't know. I don't honestly know, but I I would assume that oil companies, you know, pad their and oh. kind of pay for right, so that if anything goes wrong, you might be right. It's but not like people dying in an environmental. There's hazard, a lot. You're probably right, but there's a lot that is very close to Valero. And then there's a lot in Super the hills close. that's very far away, and I don't think it's Valero property. But I don't, I don't know. I just assume that the town wants to stay small. My my wife talks about like in the hills. There was a time where people's fucking front rooms were like bubbling up, and oh, that's Southampton. Yeah, people's that yards was the dump. Were like, yeah, that was a dump, and then they turned it into housing, and literally there was tires and stuff coming up in people's front lawns. It's fucking crazy. And now it's seven hundred thousand dollars for a house there. And that was 40, wow. 40 years ago. So I'm glad I live on the flats <laughs> down here, dude. You know what I mean? At least the downtown. At least I know what I'm getting. Yeah. Dude, we pulled all the concrete out of our fucking front yard. It looks so good. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. This guy, he put so much, con- so much concrete. Hmm. <laughs> it's all right, though. You know, we've done this a couple of times. Bought a house, made it nice over the span of five six years mm-hmm. you know just put money into it progressively improved the place it's uh it's what you do you know uh one day you'll be doing this yeah i'm dude. trying one day you will be doing this yeah you'll buy the like you know what we told our real estate agent when we were coming out of vileo said we want the shittiest house on the east side that we can buy that's smart right and she said here it is and we're like God, that's <laughs> fucking shitty, right? <laughs> we're like, oh, we hate it. And now, dude, we're happy as clams up in there doing our little fix-ups day by day. Right. Right? Our neighbors are like, hey, you guys are great. The place looks great. See, that's that's a smart move. Buy the turd, and it can only be better. But if you buy the nicest thing that it's already expected of you, and you, what are you going to do to improve it? You know, yeah. add a hot tub or a pool? Yeah. So buy the turd. That's a good. That's good advice. I mean, there was a writer that said something about buy the shittiest house in the fanciest neighborhood so that you can have the view. Okay. Right. So that makes a lot of sense. They all have to look at your crap, but right. you look at their beautifulness. You know. So you're doing great. So we just moved to uh, downtown Fairfield, which is not the great part of Fairfield, but you know we've been there for a couple of months, and you know winter came through, rained and. The front lawn grew. Mm-hmm. It's not like Kentucky bluegrass, but it's it's plant matter. Sure, it's mostly grass, but it, hey, you know, sour grass has a beautiful flower. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild grass and some grass and some weeds and shit. But I finally was like, all right, I'm gonna mow the lawn, and then I mowed the lawn, and then the cranker across the street is like the one crappy person on the block. They mowed their lawn immediately, and then another neighbor mowed their lawn. So it was like this, and maybe everyone just wanted to mow their lawn within one week. But I Maybe. feel like, I feel like I or you started the thing. I was like, ah, oh, fuck, that guy's going to mow his lawn. I guess we have to mow our lawn, too. Let's take care of our shit. Right. It's just kind of contagious. I think it is contagious, honestly. Because everybody's lawn looked like dog shit. Dude, and when you are looking at your neighbor and you're like, my property value is never going to be any better because look at this fucking shithole. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. But when neighbors start to take care of the thing... And it goes up. I mean, the, this is the reason why neighborhood councils were made. Right. This is why condos have like a uh, 
HOAs or whatever. HOAs, exactly. Yeah. This is the reason why I'm mad about the the uh, the trailers down here, hmm. right? Because I feel like they're unmonitored, and we have a lot of mental health issues hmm. and hoarding. Like it's very obvious that we have some serious hoarding problems. <laughs> some of these things, and who's monitoring it? Like if my house went to total shit, someone would say, right? You know. So who is like helping these people keep their shit together? No one, hmm. you know, no one. Uh, you know the guy from Ace Hardware. He wanted to buy the uh, trailer uh, park up the street. Okay. He went up uh, Fifth. Yeah. You know, at the end right there before the, so he wanted to buy that, but they said, no, it's low income housing. You can't do it. You can't kick people out. And everybody in that uh, trailer park was like, oh, fuck, man, no way. We're not leaving. He was like offering people thousands of dollars to like, please let me move you on. Hmm. But no, couldn't happen because Benicia swears that that's some of their low income housing. Interesting. I wonder if they have to have X amount. No, they absolutely do oh, okay. have to have X amount, and they put it all on those east side. Yeah. And they keep these trailer parks as some of their pinnacle hmm. low income housing. Right. And I think it's fucking lame. Hmm. You know, build build some real places, dude. Right. You know what I mean? And distribute them throughout Benicia. Yeah, we've right? got two like within two blocks of each other. So what? Oh, Eastside has the poop plant, so we're just going right. to put it all down here. That's a good point. You know, fuck you assholes, man. <laughs> you know, live in the industrial section. Hmm. No, we're going to put a fucking low income right over there on 9th Street. Right. Dude, we're going to let those fucking kids come out, and they're going to play at the beach with That'd all the white cool. kids. That'd be cool. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. let's do this. Why can't we be integrative? Hmm. You know? I don't know. Whatever. My wife tells me, dude, run for city council then. You know, get involved. You like to talk to people. Get involved. Hmm. You know? You might Come be on to something. Get out of no? here. I got flames around my neck. No one's going <laughs> to listen to me. You know, you'd be an idiot to listen to me. Man. I don't know. You're making some good points, man. You're making some <laughs> well, good I points for Well, I do think about everybody. this stuff. I do think about this stuff. Right. You know? Um, well. I think it's strange. I try not to uh, shit on people. Especially on on the podcast, but we had Jason Diavati's ran for mayor, and that guy's an absolute tool. So, you know, if the competition is low hanging fruit, that's there's the always thing. that. Well, there's the thing, right? And that's once again why, you know, Company of Wolves. Let's get back mm -hmm. to that. Sure. Where is so with my own generation? I say, where's Gen X hmm. in politics? Where's Gen X? Who is Gen X in politics, right? Look at my... They're all dicks, man. They're the same dicks <laughs> that I had to deal with in fucking high school. Right. Right? So now we've got a little more hope. We've got a generation, couple generations, that have built on what we learned. They know more. You know, can we fix it? Is it just going to be 60-plus white people? Right. In Benicia politics. Right. Is that what our city council is forever doomed to look like? Right? That's I think that point. sucks. I agree. Yeah. I'd like you know, change it up or, or 
have some contrast and uh we were talking about it earlier like the fastest way to learn is to talk to somebody you disagree with or have someone that has been raised or or come through a different perspective than you Mm-hmm. And if you have all people of the same situation, like, you know, third generation Venetians that are 16 up white dudes, like all of your scenarios are very, very similar. So why totally. don't we get someone from a different style of life or a different perspective and throw them in there? And even if even it's a one in 10, you know, at least you get one guy going, ah, hey, that actually isn't reality or I have a different thought process on this. Sometimes all it takes is one dude to speak up. It really does. One person. You know, know I would encourage someone like you to do it Hmm. because really you grew up here. You've got the ear of people. You know what I mean? Some people. I mean, really, uh, I don't know. I I would feel, I would feel like it would be too, uh, out of the, out of the, out of the norm. You know what I mean? That I, I, we need a native son. We need a native daughter. Hmm. You know what I mean? To stand up and go, wait, this generation wants more from our town, hmm. right? Like, I've always felt, I still feel like an outsider. You know what I mean? I'm from New Mexico, dude. I'm not <laughs> I'm not from Benicia, you know? Fair. I'm from Socorro, New Mexico, dude. That's where I grew up. That's where I learned how to do this stuff. My wife now, on the other hand, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, she's from this place. She knows the native tongue. She knows, you know. What? It's a weird little bubble here, man. It's, it's really, very strange really weird. To the point where I'll see people who know each other in high school, and they will walk past each other like they never knew. And I'll go, <laughs> wait, you knew that guy 10 years ago? And they'll be like, yeah, dude, I, I you know. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? I, I coined it the Benicia standoff because mm. I've never seen the like of it. That's right? amazing. It's very it's, accurate. It's very true, dude. You know, they'd be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I hate to throw my butt the bus. And she was, oh, I went to high school with her. Right. And I'm like, why didn't you say hi? It's like, oh, no, he never said hi. <laughs> I'm like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? <laughs> right where I'm coming to a place and I'm like, sure. dude, I want to say hi to anyone I can find that I like that remotely knows me. Right. (laughs) I'm talking high to fucking strangers, you know, it's a weird uh, city or town because they're, I mean, I'm guilty of that for sure. And it's funny to hear someone be like, why do you guys do that? Yeah. I can't give you a a real standoff. It's, it happens every day all the time. I mean, I work in a bar in Benicia and I've heard it on your podcast where you've said we met and we hated each other and I didn't want to talk to her. But now we're best friends. Yes. Right? It's very strange. It's very strange. It is. As someone who moved around all my life and had to make new friends, you know what I mean? I find it very, very strange. It's just the the inner workings. Benicia has done a good job of being like a a tiny, tiny town that is actually larger than that. Mm -hmm. But it's kept that and it's like, social stigmas and i think that's all part of it oh, that's it so weird any sense. so its mental capacity is so much larger but its social status remains very close right we're a, a population 100 one stop sign road that's our mentality but there's thirty thousand people here now it's like right and you've got like 
but it it rigorously holds on to that we're just like a little one one stop sign town and that's how everybody acts and behaves and it's there's a lot of silliness behind it and shenanigans there's a like, lot of silliness you know i was at the uh the 711 mm-hmm. and benicia boy was buying people 40s oh. <laughs> right and i was like fuck man <laughs> Like, I've seen this video. I've seen this video. I was like, dude, it's Panish Boy, right? Uh. And I, I, I had my 40, right? I had my, my Sierra talking, right? I was like, maybe maybe he'll buy me. Mm-hmm. He looked at me, and no, he didn't like me. No, he didn't I'm know not you. from Benicia. No, you, dude. Yeah, he's like, get out of here. Buy your own fucking beer. I'm like, dude, I've seen your video, man. <laughs> you're the only Come guy on. that gave a shit. I know, I'm the and only guy. Exactly. Like, Please. Yeah, everyone else. Sign like, my nipple. Sure, Benicia boy. Yeah, thanks for the beer. I'm like, dude, I know you. <laughs> oh, man. That, you just summed up the whole town right there. <laughs> oh, that's too funny, dude. I love it though, man. I'm so glad I'm here. Honestly, you know, it's I think it's the, been a funny thing. The best way to summarize it is like it's we have Kardashian problems. Like <laughs> town doesn't have any crime or any real issues, so we just create nope. our own like, well, one time when I was in high school, they didn't let me borrow a pencil, so fuck that person for 20 years. And you're like, "Why?" Cuz you didn't have any real problems. That's why. There was no yeah. real problems. So we make up our own problems. Dude, That's it. I was standing behind the relic. And I was smoking a joint with this guy and two cops roll up and the lady cop looks at me and she goes, I'll be back for you trouble. That's what she said. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so hot. And I smoked the rest of that joint, crushed it out. And I was like, fucking, I'm waiting for that lady cop. <laughs> oh, man. She never came back. Of course not. No. God no. damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Under arrest, man. Here's to you, BPD. <laughs> <laughs> You're killing it. Uh, this, yeah. It, it. When you have to call the fuzz, or if you call the fuzz, like 11 of them show up, and they pull you over for doing 30 and a 25 and all that stuff, mm-hmm. but it's like they don't have anything real going on. And it's kind of like the beauty and the pain of the town is we don't have any real problems. And they just drive around on their brand new cruisers and they're I mean, I think that when you're done with your big problems, you come to a place like this. <laughs> At yeah. least that's what I did. That's fair. You know, like I'm not doing anything that's a felony now. You know? <laughs> right. Misdemeanors all the time. But felonies no. I'm not doing any <laughs> felonies. So I you know, I can exist in a town like this and right. be comfortable and feel good, you know? Yeah. It's a nice place, man. It is it's a fantastic place. That I would have never known. If I wouldn't have, you know, uh, met a fantastic girl and been put into a fantastic p- family. Sure. You know, my own family is a little, uh, little dodgy, hmm. a little more tragic. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, this morning my car <laughs> it wouldn't start. Batter's dead. You know, father-in-law comes over, gives me a jump. Nice. You know, lets me go and fuck do my chores, Right. Some something else, man. You know, I grew up in squats, dude. At 18, my dad said, "Get the fuck out of my house." Hmm. I went to Arizona. I lived uh, for two years in fucking squats. Ended up in the joint a few times. You know, it's hard, man. It's different. You know, then moved to Oakland where I thought I was gonna be safe. You know, because <laughs> shit was hard in Albuquerque and in Phoenix, dude. Shit was rough. Yeah. Al- fucking Oakland was safe at mm. that time 
when Oakland was, uh, you know, this was uh, mid-90s. Oakland Anyone was, that calls Oakland safe has come from a different perspective than my own. Yeah, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, that's the truth. Uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, dude, in the early 90s was fucking brutal. Uh, they didn't make that show because Albuquerque was nice. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, it, was, it was burly. Solid point. All those scenes with the, like, burnouts and the rugged houses and shit. Mm-hmm. Half those guys would be like, oh, there's Doug. <laughs> there's Danny, dude. There's I've been to that house. Dude, yeah. for real. I got out of Albuquerque. It's, it's dangerous. Yeah. Oakland was great, man. It's a trip. Bands and ladies and bars. and It was fun. Oakland is a, is a wild place because there's so much awesomeness. And then, you know, especially coming from my Benicia perspective, like, there's also some danger. But there's a lot of cool stuff there. And it just it gets written off from, you know, local people frequently because there is potential danger. But it's like, it's just like a real city. You know, it's not 30,000 people. It's a real city. Nobody knows each other. Not everybody knows each other. You know. I saw this lady beating cars that went by with a <laughs> stick. Sure. Her pants were down. She's beating cars with sticks. Someone stops, starts to chase her, right? She's yelling, swears. She runs down the street. Ten minutes later, there's another guy who's fucking screaming bloody murder, right? Mm. Walking through with a blanket. That's Oakland, man. Right. If you're not down with that, it's going to be very surprising. It's also life. It's going to be shocking. To me, that's life. Right. Well, it is life. But there's a lot of people that have never experienced the harsh realities of life. They don't want to look at that. Right. Well, if you don't have to, if you've never seen it, that's a reality for a lot of people. Such sweet privilege. Right. Such sweet privilege. I never want to leave my perspective, Hmm. my cliff on reality. You know what I mean? My tattoo shop really, it's a touchstone. You know what I mean? To what reality is. Right. It's a touchstone. You know, the people outside of it, the people inside of it, what the kids are thinking, what the bums are doing. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it's for real. When there was BLM protests, dude, I saw 3,000 people walk past my shop. Whoa. You know what I mean? It was insane. It was beautiful. So Oakland will always, I don't know, I can't get it out of me. That's why my shop will always be there. You know, at the beginning of COVID, I was like, maybe I'll open a shop here in Benicia and I'll be closer to my family and I'll hmm. like be in my community, you know? Now I just don't think that that's real. I don't think Benicia has that willingness or that it's too, too it's coddled still. Yeah. yeah, it's not ready. It's not there yet. We have the one shop and they've been, you know, they had to fight tooth and nail to exist. And I don't think that there just isn't the culture for it, which is unfortunate. Well, or not enough to sustain a business. You need to try hard. You know, so here's the thing. There's a challenge. There's a challenge. There's a gauntlet to be picked up right there. Hmm. A try hard could make that happen. You know what I mean? I could take fancy nails over here and I could fucking take that spot and I could blow it out. Hmm. And seriously... No one would ever get tattooed in Vallejo again. Hmm. You know what I mean? Unless, unless they wanted something 10 years ago. 
right? Like there's no modern tattooing going on. There's no push to be the front, hmm. you know? In Oakland, that is what we're doing. Okay. All the time, every day, every shop there pushes us. And you hmm. know, man, a lot of the old ones have been shut down now. I'm one of the three oldest shops in fucking Oakland now. Really? Yeah, dude. I've been there 13 years. Damn. It's a long time. It is a long time. It is, man. Old Crow's gone. You know, a lot yeah. of these shops are gone, dude. I'm still there. Still hmm. there. Right? And I don't think that I want to... At the beginning, like I said, at the beginning of COVID, I thought maybe I wanted to push to be here. Right. No, I don't think that anymore. Hmm. I think I want to evolve in Oakland and be and meet meet what the thing is, because I know it better there. You know, they're getting hipper. It's not DIY. It's not punk rock anymore. You know, it's it's slick, not as slick as San Francisco. You know, there's an, a middle ground. You got to okay. be clean, but not too clean. <laughs> you know, you got to be hip, but not too hip. All right. It's got to be Pinterest, but before Pinterest. <laughs> sure. You're right? Yeah. So this is the thing I'm good at. It's fine. I'm down with that. And that's why we're redoing this, uh, the shop. Right. You know? Man, so much money to re renovate a fucking business and, like, remodel it and right. rebrand, you know. It's not even like a rebrand, but it's like a a new skin, you know? Right. Yeah, you renovated the place or renovating. Yeah. It's it's tough to do that in a time when revenue is down amazingly, but it's also like might be a good decision to do that. It's your one chance. Yeah. You know, it's there's not a whole lot going through, so you might as well shut it down during that time period. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, you just added a lot of bills to a place that's not making as much money as it used to. Fucking A, I know. Boy, is that stressful. So here was always the thing. You know, I don't want to shut down because I'm living from tattoo to tattoo. Sure. You know, our business lives on everyone being able to pump their next Instagram hit. Mm -hmm. You know? And so I would go, oh, well, next, next month, next month, next month. Right? So COVID hits. Everyone's like, oh, fuck, do or die, right? We're all going to die. <laughs> oh, my God, business is going to shut. Yeah. I did all right. That's awesome. Uh, so I used to, I came up from illicit business. Sure. So I was really good at socking money away. Oh, okay. You know, that's what we did. Right. So when COVID hit, we were like, okay, it's fine. We'll, we'll be able to live on this till July. <laughs> right right and then august oh geez and then december yep. right we're fucking oh my god it's amazing we're still alive then it hits this month and we all my employees they're talking about well we're gonna go back to work what about this what about this i'm like fuck it's finally time to do it right my counter is beautiful nice gonna be awesome they still doing the floors look at the counters and not my bank okay don't look at the ledger <laughs> look at the counters 
Well, nobody gets to look at your bank except for you. So that's no that's one nice. gets to look at my ledger. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Dude, they're so nice. That's it's awesome, gonna be man. awesome. I know. And really, what my hope is is to attract new talent. Sure. That's the thing. I want new artists. I want okay. new apprentices. I want new talent. You know, because that's how my business makes money. It's not from me being like fucking Mr. Cool Tattoo Dude. That's mm. not how I make money. I make money from all of the guys right. that I take from just basic artists to applying tattoos that are badass. Right. You know, that's where my value is shop so well it should go a long way because if if you're going to go into a place and it you know the furniture the counters and the chairs and the floors all outdated like okay well you maybe are, i'll go to the next place right you are you will put into the place but if you know if you're going to put in the time and effort and the extra money to you know make the place a better place same with this bar i used to not come into this place to drink at all and now i work here they renovated, right. they changed, they started giving a shit, and it was to change my attitude enough to, one, come in here and drink, and then, two, to actually be an employee here. So it's, you know. Yeah, that's real. I hope that you get exactly what you're looking for because you're making the right steps to make it happen, man. I mean, I'm spending the money, too. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I hope it's the right steps. <laughs> I think it will be, though. I, You know, hey, keep positive is always what I say. Yeah. Go through the motions, keep positive. Uh, try not to dwell on what you've ate. And here's the thing, too, about money. You can't keep it. You don't keep it. Right. You don't keep money. Money is not to be kept. Right. Right. That's why Joe Biden's giving you all this money. Hmm. It's not because he wants you to keep it. It's because you're going to put it back into the economy. Right. Right. So that's how I see the money that we make. It's to be given to A, B, or C. Sure. You know, so that I can just proceed on this roll until I die. <laughs> and then I go, I'm done. Yeah. You know, That's thank true. you. Thank you very much. I took it. I gave it. I'm done. Right. It's yeah. That's a good way to look at it. And, you know, you can hoard some and, and pass it down or whatever. But like if you inherit a thousand dollars, you inherit a million dollars. The attitude should be the same of like, Oh sweet. I didn't do anything. And I got some free stuff. But when you kick the bucket, if you have a thousand dollars or you have 10, 10 million in the bank, it's, it, there's no difference to the person dying. I mean, I guess you go, Oh, generations of my people will be rich. No. And then you die. Like, fuck you, man. Who cares? <laughs> right. Yeah. But that's a weird thing. I mean, I don't know. It has to do with how you're raised. I can't judge people what they do. Right. I can't because I have not had their experience. I've only had my own. Sure. So what what, what they're doing with their thing, I, I don't know. A very open-minded way to look at it. You know, I'd, I'd like to say the same, but, I don't, you know, I judge people. At least a little bit. I try not to be very judgy, but I judge people. If you un inherit tens of millions of dollars, I look Dude, at you differently than a person that... Your Tesla is tailgate me. I'm judging you. <laughs> there you go. I'm judging you. There's, there's a dose don't, of reality there. Yeah, don't think I'm not doing that. But also be open-minded. Because you have to be. Yeah. And some people put in certain situations, they might not be what you expect. Right. You know? And that's that's what I see. I mean, I talked to a guy the other day, and he said that 
Conway West was the best composer in the world. Hmm. That is not something that I expected to hear. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I was like, my friend, you're as far on the spectrum as I could ever think. (laughs) Right? From away from my own opinion. And Hmm. I want to talk about how we can get get to what the hell you're talking about. (laughs) I said, first, composers. Do you know what composers do? I said, do you know Chopin or like, you know, there's this guy, Beethoven. Like, there are composers. He was like, no, modern modern guys. Okay. okay." Hmm. I said, Bob Dylan, right? Uh, (laughs) Elvis Costello. (laughs) Simon and Garfunkel. Right. Dolly Parton. Okay. She wrote a lot of music for other people. Conway? He's a dick. (laughs) guy's a dick. Yeah, that's true. I like his jams. I'm not going to say I don't. (laughs) I do. I'll I'll shine like diamond. I'm fucking down. (laughs) I'm not going to say I know them all. I'm not going to say he's not good. But people's opinions are silly. Yeah, that man is exuding with confidence. On a, a well, and anyone who says he's the best composer in the world ever is also exuding with confidence, <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, no one has ever existed better than he. Well, that's a, that's a strong that's, statement. That is a fucking strong statement. Yeah. I mean, all I wanted to do, I wasn't going to disagree with him. I just wanted to like get to the point of it. Learn more. Learn more about that perspective. How did you come to that conclusion? Thank you. That's exactly me. where I was at. Yeah. Exactly. I was like, well, so what are the parameters you would say <laughs> are the like to make the best, you know? Like, is it number of hit songs? Hmm. You know, is it like best hit album? Number of composers who ran for president? Like, what are we basing this off of here? I'm telling you, Boston <laughs> made an album, dude. That is hits from back to front, bro. Uh, like, it's hard to beat that one. There isn't a stinker on that album. That's too funny, man. <laughs> bass, player, uh, bass player from Boston lives here in town. Is that true? Yeah, went to school with the sun. I heard the guy from uh, fucking Huey Lewis in the News also lives in town. Maybe. Little Gems of the, Denisha. The guitarist. Yeah. yeah. I don't know that, but I fucking love this town. <laughs> it's a cool spot. Dude, I, I really do. The more I'm here, I really I feel like I'm saddling up somehow, mm. you know? You getting there, man. Well, my next step is to get into Benicia Arts, right? Okay. Uh, because it's a big thing. Uh, for a lot of my friends that are visual artists, they actually went to Benicia to get that and then came to Oakland, right? Hmm. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're from Benicia, man. We used to do glass blowing or glass cutting or metal right. work or blah, blah, blah. I met, you know, this guy, and it was always from here. And so that's my kind of next phase, you know? Hmm. I mean, you've seen my the paintings that I do. Yeah, they're dope, dude. So I'm really, I'm really wanting to get in, you know, to that and be hmm. a part of the community arts. Dude, it's big. You know, my son actually had a art show with Arts Venetia, but I that's before awesome. I did. I know. That's way cool. He tells me all the time, dude. <laughs> he tells Look, me all the time. I show him Venetia. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, man. I've just had shows in Oakland and San Francisco. I don't know. You know right. one. All you right. got your Benicia show. Have you, have you had a Benicia show? Have right. you had your paintings at the public library? Exactly. No. He did. <laughs> he did. The kid did, man. He's that's good. Awesome. He's good. 
You can get it at uh, Java Point Cafe. I think the Relic does some of that stuff too. You can showcase your work there, and mm-hmm. that's cool stuff. I had a my dude. Teacher. I'm gonna put him at the Java Point. If I'm not showing at the fucking gallery across the street, I'm mad. <laughs> if I'm at the Java Point, dude, fucking a. You know it's funny because I loved those coffee shop shows, man. I mean, I lived on them when mm. I was like nineteen, twenty, right? Cause you gotta, you gotta know. I, I, as a five year old, I was like, I'm, I'm gonna be an artist. Okay. And my parents were like, this bonkers. We're never gonna be able to pay for right. being an artist, right? No, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it. Years go by. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I never stopped. I'm still saying. Yeah. I'm still calling my mom, going, "Hey, mom, I'm doing it." <laughs> That's awesome, dude. You know, it's true. Well, you're on a multi-platform too, because you were showing me oil paintings, right? Is that what? Acrylic, but Acrylic. still. Okay. Yeah. I know nothing on the artistic level, yeah. but paintings. Yeah. And then also you do tattoo, which is its own form of art, like very physical form of art. Indeed. And in knowing very little, the two things that I could tell you was if I wanted to pick up a form of art and my choice was consistent canvas or human fucking skin that moves and winces and comes in different variations, <laughs> shapes, and sizes. And you got shit like elbow and chest and like, no. Hair and smells. Right. And, Who the yeah. fuck wants a tattoo and a, or art on a person? That, that People's seems, insecurities. Right. You know, it's a very I, personal thing, too. Dude, I just did two girls under breast first tattoos they're probably like 19 hmm. they're so insecure about their bodies right and about how they feel about it and the way that i can convey what i do actually gives them power hmm. you know what i mean because i don't look at them as objects i don't play into their insecurity hmm. you know when they're when their breast is exposed or whatever right i go for the business we're here for business. I'm here to please you on this thing. And they feel comfortable in their body because I'm comfortable with their body. Right. It's the first time they've had their body exposed. I mean, these are Especially very, a stranger. these are very core things. Right. You know what I mean? Um, and I think the way that I deal with it is one of the reasons why my business has been there in a very hostile environment, dude. Mm. Tattooing is you know, we're cutthroat. Right. And I've been there for 13 years doing what I do, you know? And I think it's because of that. It's I make, such a, I make customers comfortable. That's important. It's really important because it's a very intimate experience. And, you know, like I have one that, you know, arm to shoulder a little bit on the back. And as you know, as a dude, it's not weird for me to take off my shirt, but to sit there and, and just, even if you broke it down into simple terms and had, a person you just met or recently met put something on your body that lasts forever. Like that alone is very, very intimate. And then you add in more complications. Um, like you're an 18 year old girl. Right. Getting it under your breast. Sure. It, the idea itself, like even the, a, a bicep or a shoulder tattoo, like that is very intimate. And then there, it gets more intimate from there or, you know, you can have more insecurities in going to the situation. But like, if I make a drink and it sucks, someone goes, this sucks. And I pour it in the sink and I make another one. I don't have that with like, here's a cocktail and it's going to be with you for the rest of your fucking life. Like I don't have that kind of pressure, dude. I pull one wrong line, right? Right. And here's the thing. 
I'm a man. I'm a person. I'm a human being. Sure. Every one of my tattoos has a flaw. Sure. Every single one of them. This is one thing that I have to teach apprentices all the time. Because even the best fucking tattoo artist, when they're pulling lines, they're going to make a flaw. And how do you live with that? Mm. You know what I mean? That's one of the things that I have to teach apprentices. More than being good at what they do is accepting that they're human when they do it. Right, because they beat themselves up, dude. They look at that photo, they blow it up. You know, they're like, look at that. Right. I suck. I'm terrible. I liked this person and I fucked it up. Right. And I'm like, dude, you are a human being doing a human thing. Relax. Right. And on top of that, the artist eye versus uh, I'm going to say a human eye is dramatically different because I've got my one big piece and I have had it for, I don't know, 12, 14, 15 years or something. I'm sure there's a flaw in it, but when I've looked at it and I've looked at it for a long time, I've looked at it for way longer than my tattoo artist. I couldn't tell you a spot where he like slipped or hiccuped or derped or diddled, but I'm sure that it's there. Dude. And if I asked him, I bet he could be like, yeah, right there on the tail. There's, I fucked it up, but it's- I've had this thing for you know, over a decade. And I couldn't tell you like, this is where he fucked it up. You know, it's so funny because we used to deal with photos in a binder. Hmm. We'd say, here's our portfolio. Right. And you look at photos in a binder. Now you can look on Instagram and you can blow it way up. You can zoom 20 to, times. To, to where you see pores and shit. <laughs> and you're like, that line doesn't Ugh. look solid. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that is fucking crushing. Hmm. To the average artist, it's really hard. Right. It's uh, a good point. You know, when I grew up, there was none of this. There wasn't even the internet when I was doing tattoos. Right. You know what I mean? There was none of this. We followed Flash. We copied Flash. And if, if it was as good as the one on the wall, you did great. Hmm. You know, you'd take a photo of it, put it in your book. It was done. Now, man, shit is really hard. They blow right up. I mean, your average client will go, Oh, let me zoom in. Hmm. It's like everything is laid bare, every error. And it makes it makes my job actually more about trying to keep an artist's confidence hmm. uh, than it is about like uh, teaching art. Interesting. Because those flaws, man, they take it so hard now. Hmm. Whereas those flaws, we wouldn't have even seen 20 years ago. Right. You know what I mean? We're like, dude, your praying hands is fucking awesome. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. You know? But now they're like zooming in. And they're like, look at that thumbnail. And you Google it and you have 100 references or 1,000 references. And look at all the comments. Oh, right. that shit's, you know, botched up there and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's rough. Yeah. Huh. You know? So that's become my job now. It's a trip because it's come so far in your involvement in the profession it wasn't like oh my great grandpappy was doing sailor jerry's and now i'm doing these you know f- flushed colors and vibrance disease and all that good stuff it's like since you've been doing it it has evolved a hundredfold a hundredfold and really my job is more about psychology of artists of the artists yeah and not it of is. the artwork because this shit is really hard on them sure you know what i mean That's something i never considered 
on on me in the 90s being a punk rocker i could fucking just put that cross on you and be like fucking yeah dude <laughs> you got the cross it's cool right you know but now they can't do that now mm. it's got to be on point perfect right. with every line crisp and every dot in there mm. right like did you whip shade that correctly you know you could look that up on the internet you could youtube you know the client can youtube how we do what we're doing right it's fucking bonkers hmm. it's totally different so half of my shit is triage honestly <laughs> you know triage for the artist yeah you know i'm like here man drink this cup of sake and fucking let's talk about it because hmm. i understand how it feels to be a human right you know that's what it's about see i didn't consider the fact that the artist takes that on i i guess that would be the mark of a, a, a good artist because if you have people that are consistently self-critical and consistently beating themselves up on like ah oh, this one tweak or this one line or this one thing of shading that's, that's how you get better dude that's the people you want you don't yes. want people that was like i've never made a mistake everything is perfect all of my portraits are on point they're out of my shop fuck that guy so yeah right. it sounds like you got good people because you want people that are, are self-critical and then for you to come in as the mentor and say like hey man yes but also consider this. Well, and take my own photos of right. my own tattoos and blow them up for them and go, if you want to be critical on your shit, let's right. be critical on my shit. Let's look at my early work. Yeah, exactly. Let's look at my current work. Different world. Because I am a person. Right. You know, we're all people just trying to make art. And if it's perfect every time, dude, I don't know where you come from. You're not coming from my world. Right. Right? Because I know in my world... I make some mistakes once in a while. Mm -hmm. I do the best thing that I can to cover it up. <laughs> That's what I teach, how to fix it. Sure. You know what I mean? We fix it. It's never a problem. We fix it. But, dude, if something didn't go sideways in the tattoo, I'd be kind of shocked. Right. I'd be like, wow, nothing went sideways. That's amazing. Hmm. You weren't paying attention. <laughs> yeah, I must have not been paying attention. <laughs> exactly. Know. That makes a lot of sense, though. There's a lot to it, man. And then, like like I said, like you have different skin tones and different skin areas, and I didn't think anything of it. And then I, you know, spent a lot of time getting involved with Brian, who was was my artist. And it's, you know, this again, this is almost 15 years ago, and I know the guy's name, and I'm very involved with him. I never forget the process, like, and I'm a hundred percent happy with the work that I got done. How crazy important is that, right? But it's 15 years ago. You still remember the guy, still looking at the fucking art. Right. Right? Yeah. So that's that why weird? we take it so seriously. That's why I drill this into people. It's super serious. It's super important. Try your best. Right. But know you're a human. And then part of it, too, is, you know, he was a tattoo artist whose work I got to preview beforehand, who I communicated with over a while while we designed the design. Mm-hmm. But a huge part of it is like if I went to a guy who I didn't connect with or was uninteresting or we locked horns or we disagreed and his artwork was better or my option was Brian, who I got along with, was sociable, walked me through the process, helped me understand, I would have gone with him. You would have like, gone to Brian. Yeah. You know, a big part of that is the, the connection that you make with the person. And it's all like part of this thing that is summed up and no one ever We've never been the coolest. We've never been the, the the shiniest, but we've always been really nice. 
you got to make connections with people. That's made it so that our business has lasted 30, 13 years. You have and to trust we, them. And we got Best of the Bay twice. Nice. Two years in a row. It was a while back, but still, we got it. Right. You know, and it, it's because of that attitude, man. I don't put up with bullshit, and I want people to get what they want. It's awesome. And we're going to try hard to get that. You know what I mean? We're not going to judge. We're not going to be fancier than thou hmm. ever, you know? That's why it's funny that we're renovating right now. Our shop is going to look really spiffy and nice and all this stuff, but you got to know in my heart, it's not about finishes, dude. Hmm. It's about f- finishing with a client. Hmm. You know what I mean? It's about that, all right, dude, I'll see you next time. Remember, you get a free touch-up, you know? High right. fives, tips. Right. My client walks out great. That's why we have so many five star reviews at the shop, you know? And I'm super proud of that. Uh, someone offered to buy the shop. And I told them, man, you can buy the shop, but you can't buy what we've done. Hmm. You know? What we've done, it requires us. Right. You know? That's a, that's a good thing you got hammered out, man. It's an awesome thing. Thanks, and it's, bud. It's cool to talk to you about it, and one of the things that blew me away was, you know, you'd come in here, and you were saying that, like, you're an old-school networking kind of dude, so you like to go out, make connections mm-hmm. people with people, chop it up. Oh, yeah, also, I do tattoos. And, oh, you're interested? Do you want a tattoo? Do you have a tattoo? As opposed to just throwing everything online and being like, this is what I got. This is my Instagram. You know, here's a card. Walk away. You're a an old school kind of dude, and that like you. you go out and talk to people in the bar of the social environment. You use this as a method to meet new people, and I see you do it all the time. And it's not like you're a shark or a salesman. You're very regular conversationalist about it. Like, oh yeah, hey, you've got literally you have tattoos, neck to hands, knuckles. Yeah, people bring it up on their own all the time. Hey, what does that say? And you this go, oh, is it my says, billboard. Sure, all this is my billboard. And then you know. Do you have any the tattoos? style, the whole thing. And I've seen it happen like time and time again where, you, mm-hmm. you know, someone says, hey, what do you got there? And it's this symbol on my hand or it's these letters. And then the next th- part of the conversation naturally is, do you have any tattoos? And mm-hmm. they go, yeah, I got my my uh, cat on my back and I got it done and stick and poke in a garage. And it looks like dog shit. And, hey, uh, I can fix that. Right. And you're like, hey, I know. A guy. I have a place. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And it's I have a saying. I have many sayings. But one of my favorite sayings is never cheap out on sushi toilet paper or tattoos <laughs> yes buddy it's never worth it yeah i don't want I discount sushi i don't want 99 so cent tired sandpaper. of that gross out fucking toilet paper <laughs> <laughs> and i don't want a discount back alley tattoo like, no charge me 120 an hour whatever the going rate is i want to pay you a premium because you're gonna pay to get it fixed dude it's forever you're gonna pay it twice you're gonna pay twice or you're gonna get it and then not get Hate it fixed it. and then it always hurts my soul when people go I have this butt, you know, do you have a tattoo? Jessica, yeah. Jessica, have... she shows me that thing. Sure. It's right sad, man. I'm sad. I, you know what? The funny thing is my, my instinct is to just say, come to the shop. I'll do it for free. Hmm. Right. Because I, I, at the bottom of it, I want to do my art. I want to make things look great. Right. Right. Like when it comes to that, the pay is almost secondary, hmm. which my wife was kicked me in the face for saying. <laughs> Good. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's the truth. Yeah. When I see something that screwed up sure. on a cool cat, 
I'm like, motherfucker, just come down. Let me fix that. Yeah. And she's gotten like some up. removal lasers done and stuff. She's been laser beamed and all <laughs> sort of shit on her <laughs> chest, dude. That's <laughs> fucked up, man. Yeah. You know, poor kid. But there's a lot of that. And I've, I've seen in your interactions alone, they're like, I've got this, but before they even pull the shirt up, and it's like they're giving you a sub clause before the reveal. And it just makes me think like, holy shit, am I glad I took my time with mine and I got it right because I haven't regretted it for a second. I like to fuck with people and tell people it's a pigeon or whatever the fuck. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but you know, like I'm happy with what I got and it's, it's for me, but like, you know, what's funny is I'm covered in bad tattoos. <laughs> Honestly, you know what I mean? Like sure. I've lived with my bad tattoos the whole time. I, I love every one of them. I would never cover or change any of them. But then I'm all the time encouraging people. Whew. Got another one of these? Yeah. Let's uh, put this thing on pause real quick because I got I to gotta pee. I got to pee too. Let's fix it, right? But you have way more tattoos than a regular person. So, so no like, one ever noticed any, any of the bad ones. If you have two or one and it sucks, that's a kick in the dick. If you have 47 oh, and the first 11 sucked because you were learning how to work on yourself. It doesn't matter. You're like, yeah, this is what I didn't know what I was doing. And this is when I was didn't know what I was doing. And this is the, my first shading needle. Like... That's a, a journey for you. Well, some people have a tattoo there and there. Right. And there. I have a tattoo like. They're, they're all over the place. Just all here. <laughs> it's all just here. Like, yeah. is it front side or back side? I don't know. <laughs> pick, pick, you know, tell me which one, what it was. <laughs> so, uh, we're back. Uh, you just asked me my, my favorite video games. Yeah, some of your favorite video games. So, did you get into Skyrim? Yes. So. I'm really funny that you asked me this question because for whatever reason, 1997 came. Uh, I actually wrote a really nice article about this friend of mine runs a, a dope website called Geek Unhinged. Yeah. It's a super dope. Uh, it's like a blog and he writes about gaming and, and stuff. He's an cool. awesome dude. His name is Johnny. He's a fucking phenomenal dude. You should check out Geek Unhinged. Yeah. But he asked me if I wanted to write about games, and so I, I kind of said yes, but I don't have the inspiration to write. So I wrote this really magical piece about Final Fantasy VII, and Final Fantasy VII came out yeah. in 1997 or 98. I don't know. been drinking. It's a fantastic game. And my brother and I combined our Christmases to get a PlayStation and the game, and it was like this life-changing experience for me. And I played it over and over and over again without a memory card, and then got a memory card. Oh and then God, that's it. hard, dude. dude without a memory card, that's that's rough. Getting man. like six hours in in the game, and then having to turn it off, dude. That's fucked up, man. That's like and I was a kid. That's like Ghosts and Goblins, where you're like, oh God, like, you know, like God damn it, I don't want to go back to the beginning again. Can't beast Ghosts. Nobody beats Ghosts and Goblins. No so. one beats that. No shit. one. But no one. But I that that game got me hooked on on video games, and uh, I absolutely obsessed with it i you know the the characters and in the progression and the gameplay was like just everything about the game 100 percent hooked. so good yeah greatest game ever made i will ne i'll die saying it greatest game ever made well they remade it for the playstation 4 absolutely in love followed it for years played it played it played it amazed they released it on the re-released the original on the nintendo switch a couple years ago oh right i saw that bought it again is played it good? through it again still good it's, it's the same game it's just it's a fantastic game. Press a button and it's triple speed. Cool. So then I got on the PS4 when the remake came out. So I played the original. Then I played the remake. Then I rebeat the original. Then I rebeat the remake. Then they just recently dropped it on Xbox. And the f the 
sad thing is Xbox gives you like achievements. You do a thing, you get an achievement. It doesn't mean oh, sure. anything. Yeah. It just makes you feel good. Right. Well, they dropped Final like Fantasy. Like Minecraft. Right. Yeah. They dropped Final Fantasy VII on the Xbox, which has achievements. So now I have to go through and am playing the game again on the Xbox, and I have to get a 100% achievement score. Do you feel like a sucker yet? I'm not a sucker because I enjoy <laughs> it. But yeah. Kind I, I don't feel like a sucker. I am right, a sucker. Right. I feel like a But I don't winner. feel that. Yeah, no. exactly. I feel like a champion. <laughs> I, and I obsess over the game. I have posters and t-shirts and all sorts of, you know, I bought the action figures. That's like, awesome. You I'm have posters and t-shirts. You're so fucking killing it. nerdy for this game. I'm so nerdy for this game that I don't like talking about it to like my brothers and my friends mm-hmm. because they know that I'm obsessed, but like it's It more. ends up on all of your resumes it's though. It's more. It's, it's more than anyone knows. Yeah, right. Like I have it's a wall more. scroll of Sephiroth, like the main bad guy, and he's like one of four things in the new house and my little nerd room. Holy shit. I have like two paintings from Sonya. Who she painted my little bar cast. Do girls logo. ever go in there? Just the one. <laughs> Just the one. Just Jennifer. <laughs> Just she the goes one. in there to yell at me and says, It's time to go to bed. It's four in the morning. I'm like, But I have to be. Look at my posters. <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> you don't know. I, I'm a, I'm a That's awesome. That like, That's fantastic. Crack. Yeah. Well, yeah. I love it. That's super cool. And uh, as I play through it, every time I play through it, I learn a little more, a little more. And you put things together. And I don't know. It's. I'm. Dude, I know how it goes. I know how it goes. Skyrim was the thing. Uh, Elder Scrolls in general. Any of the Elder Scrolls games. Skyrim was, was my buy into Totally that. about it. I tried to play Morrowind, and I was late to the party. Yeah, you had to be early to that one. It was too clunky. Right? It had to be, be, yeah, you had to be used to that. You mm-hmm. had to be, like, because when I approached Morrowind, I was like, oh, this is dope. Right? Sure. This looks good. But, yeah, it looked so dated so fast. You know what I really liked were the entry-level Dynasty Warrior games. Okay, sure. So there was one that came out for, I think it was like the PlayStation, like the first PlayStation. Yeah, I think one and two or and two were the like big one. it was like a samurai battle game. Oh, so fucking hot, dude. <laughs> oh, man, I couldn't get enough of this shit. I still, I, you know, still... Turn-based strategy games, uh, warfare, especially, I'm just addicted to. Total Total War, do you play those? Uh-uh. Oh, man, it's so good. I got so hooked good, on, so on hot. Final Fantasy Tactics, too. Those are That's a great game. That was a fantastic game. I like game. that game. I actually, the first time I played through that game, I somehow missed the part where there's a button you press to go to the menu. To level up your dudes. <laughs> oh, man. I literally beat the entire game without without that without any upgrades ever, and I would just shit, switch good. out characters like, oh, this guy has throw stone, or this is Agrius and she has the stasis sword. So I only had entry level abilities, and I beat the entire game that way. Dude, you're legendary. And in the very very last boss fight, it automatically throws you in that level up menu. Yeah, and all of my dudes became fucking assassin huge yeah giant and i was like what nuclear bomb is this and i I just remember playing each level over and over and over again i was like that didn't work i gotta do i gotta move to this tile i gotta do that i gotta get this dude that's insane and i just my brain exploded when i was like oh i missed 99 percent of this game and i was just doing it on ultra hard mode but that game is fantastic and they remade that video games are such a integral part of my growing up like ColecoVision 
Sure. We had uh, looping that plane game where you're flying around Zaxxon, where you're like 3D. Like it just, it made my brain think in different ways, Mm. you know? And so I wonder what's happening to my kids as they're playing Minecraft, as they're playing like, what's that fucking? Minecraft is digital. Tom, Tom, cat. Where she's grooming the cat and making him poop and like giving him a bath. Like, I don't know what the fuck's happening on this game. I haven't heard of that one. Sounds like a Tamagotchi. Dude, it sounds like it. That's exactly what it is. (laughs) And so, really, I. So, that's a funny thing that we'd say because Tamagotchis to me. it's totally normal. That that is something that I had as a fucking high schooler. Right. You know what I mean? And I'd be like, "Oh yeah, we got to feed our beast and change him and mm-hmm. things." But then when I look at this cat thing and she's doing the same thing, I'm like, "No, this is weird. This is right. weird." No, it's not weird. It's the same thing. It's the evolution of the same thing, mm. right? Minecraft Finn is so fucking obsessed with Minecraft. Minecraft is super dope. But when I play it with him, we're playing together, it is so fun. Mm -hmm. It is so fun. I just stay in the mines. I'm looking for gold. I'm looking for diamonds. (laughs) He comes down, gives me food. He's like, Dad, I've got some, you know, planter boxes I made upstairs. (laughs) Like, cool. I'm just looking for. Yeah. It's. I'm shocked by it. So the first time I played Minecraft, I was like, what is this game? It looks so basic. Right. The graphics are all square. Mm-hmm. What are you supposed to do even? I would lose my inventory because zombies would pop out all of a sudden. And I was like, <laughs> fuck, man. Now all my shit's gone. <laughs> I don't know. It's fun. It's It's Legos, dude. It's Legos. It's, it's Legos, building. But you have it's to open. For it. It's open. It yeah. reminds me actually of when the kids are on their Lego table mm-hmm. and they're just free playing. And, you know, Baby Goose says, Oh, here's my puppy and he's doing this. And then Finn like builds a wall and he's like, No, you know, here's. It's very free. Right. It's not like. Uh, it's not like uh, Street Fighter. Right. It was very linear. It's only one thing. You're not mining for gold. You're not turning this into this. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so my dad, he brought home the Fairchild uh, Pong unit. Okay. You know, when I was a kid, I played Pong. Like, beep, <laughs> beep, beep. Is the the pinnacle of excitement <laughs> you know it's like the edge we were like hanging on the edge yeah and then atari you know uh tank battle mm-hmm. remember tank battle yeah. on atari push your one red button like motherfucker i will shoot you <laughs> yeah dude i mean i think i got punched by my brothers like 15 times over tank battle <laughs> dude at least right like fuck you Corner shop, bitch. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I got the big ammo. <laughs> you know, God, video games have really changed. I, I mean, that's my point of bringing it up. Is that video games have changed us and our thinking for a long time? It's mm. a, it's advanced kids thinking. 
you know, like once I saw Pong, I wanted more. Once I saw uh, Space Invaders. Right. Once I saw Dragon's Lair. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Each time I wanted more. I wanted more. I wanted more. And it drove this thing, right? I just went on to this uh, thing online, and it has all the retro uh, video games, Oregon Trail and hmm. Castle Wolfenstein and nice. Load Runner. I started playing these games again. They're fucking hard. They're impossible. Dude, they're, they're impossibly impossible. hard. No. <clears throat> they're incredibly hard. These are the games that made us want to play more, hmm. that wanted new games, right? I'm furious with games because of the impossibility of Oregon Trail. Have you ever won no. at Oregon Trail? No, it's you get the ridiculous. snake bite and you die. Yeah, There's you no dysentery. living. You get syphilis. You don't live. No. You get Your whole family goes to <laughs> You're shit. You're going to die. You buy a thousand pounds worth of bullets so you can shoot the buffalo and it doesn't work. Play Pong, dude. Right. You're going to lose. Yeah. You know, it's not going to go good. Games have come such a long way. And I, I think like on the simplest level, it gives you hand-eye coordination on an amazing level. Like, my dad... But then play Skyrim and take your choices through the right. progression tree. Sure. And now you're learning a whole other thing. You're learning about how you want to conduct yourself in life, almost. Am I a sneaky guy? Right. Am I a muscle guy? Am I a magic guy? So then you get into the storytelling, and, like, a video game to me is like if you watch a TV show you're watching you know depending on the show there's character development and how each character de reacts in each situation and sure. story progression and story arcs well video game is a TV show that you're involved with absolutely so you get to make some of the choices so it's more personal and that you, you know, I feel like you connect more with the characters sometimes uh, that's why I want the Cheers video game to come out <laughs> you know, because I could really do great. There you go. You know, I could I could kill it, man. Me and Norm, <laughs> we'd fucking kill it. You're doing good here, man. I'd serve a lot of drinks. Great. I'd make a lot of people happy. Glad that a guy that claims to not be social, you're pretty damn social. <laughs> no, I, I would never say I'm not social. I would say that I'm scared. Fair. That's that to is meet true. new people. That's what you say. And I push through it. You do. Because it's important to me to be social. It is. I want to know new people. You know? So to to get a little Freudian on you, maybe that's not the right term, but it's it's. I love doing this because I get to have long form conversations with people that sometimes I know a little bit, sometimes I know a lot of it. Yeah. But in in going round and round and back and forth with you, it's so cool to. I know you for how you exist but not for how you have come to be mentally. And I know a little yeah, bit of that in talking totally. to you. But in, in this whole progress, it's it's so cool to see you and, and hear you talk about how your shop, a big part of your mentoring your, your people and artists, yeah. is confidence and showing them confidence and showing them reasons to be confident through failure and how that's acceptable. And it's... And then to relate that to how I act here. Yeah. And yeah. To, to hear how you talk about yourself, which is that you're doing that same process to yourself all of the time. So you're, you're a very real person. You're a very real person in that you're, you're trying to show confidence to others while being unconfident in yourself. 
But as a guy that sits in the back and hears what you say and sees how you react, like you have accomplished your goal as someone who does things that you're apprehensive to do. And then you try and promote that to other people. So it's, I think it's a good summary for, wow, that's super, that's super insightful to the point where I need to go home and think about what you just said. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's super insightful. And you made it to what you have told me that you want and you're trying to, well, you are also helping other people to, to get to that journey. And it might be cliche and I might be wrong in this, but like to take that back to the guy growing up playing D and D where it's like, this has been a tough road for you. And Mm -hmm. I have been blessed in that. I don't have a lot of inhibitions or insecurities that most people have. They just don't exist in my brain. Yeah. So I've never had a problem like, yeah, I play D and D and people go, that's dumb. And, but my brain doesn't, I don't care. I mean, it's easy to, to see it with you. You, you hold yourself in a confidence that, you just don't need to question, but you it's, know, it's your, like your, a, your, your strengths, your weaknesses. You just don't need to question it. I just don't know? have the connection of apprehension that most people have. I have a little bit, but it's not yeah. all there. And I've learned that over the time that the way my neurons fire isn't standard. Yeah. So for me, it was never an issue of like, you're a dork. And I go, I don't care. I'm going to go play D and D, but I've seen, I've seen it literally crush people that are in the same groups with me. And it's like that isn't the normal like perspective. Yeah. So I understand that. And I try and be more open and in, in tune with that, especially as I progress and I age. Um, so I, I drew the short straw in being short of, of an atom or something. So I didn't have to worry about that. As, I'd as say much it's a plus people. one, not a minus one. Uh, I like where your head's at. It is. Yeah. But it, it took is. me a while to figure it out, but it's, it's a very real thing. And, and it's, I like, people that have had to progress through trials and tribulations because it makes interesting people like someone that was handed $10 million here, do whatever you want. Sure. They may have some interesting facets, but you're a dude that was, you know, from New Mexico involved in a very subculture thing that at a time was physically dangerous. Like I think that has shaped you to become who you are, but the best thing I can, I'm kind of going on a rant here. I love it. The best way I can summarize it is, if you know someone that was way overweight, hundreds of pounds overweight, and then they lose weight, many of them still have no confidence. They look like they're 180 pounds, but they mm-hmm. feel like they're 300 pounds. Mm-hmm. You kind of have that same sort of thing where like, you're still living in this mentally. You have these feelings of like, well, I'm not as social as I should be. And I have to push really hard. But on the outside, like I just see the chiseled 180 pounds. Like I see all of the fruits of your labor but you're very, which is nice. That's you're very, awesome, man. You're vocal about your trials to get there. But I only see the the chiseled results, man. You're Mount Rushmore of a guy that wow. has had a hard journey. But you're That's fucking fantastic. made it. You come in, you hang out. You're a social dude. I like hanging out with you. I like talking with and, you. And, and I'm the first one to put my my failings on the table, dude. That's so important I to mean, admit. That's, that's actually where my confidence comes from. It's awesome. Is to be able to go, here's where I suck. Right. Let's all look at it and laugh. Yeah. You know, I, I respect that a lot on a, on a huge level. I think that Thanks, if more of us admitted that we sucked at something or do suck and we're trying to get better at it, it's just transparency and, and communication, you know, like you've had trials and tribulations. I have had some, and if we sit down and talk about it, 
we can all be better as people. And you have that openness fucking to a. you. Yeah. Uh, but you wear cool hats and you're a fucking rad wear, dude that comes t- into the bar, man. Thanks, I, buddy. I've heard you harp on your hat. Thanks, you're like, man. oh, I don't know if it's cool, but I like it. No, it's fucking cool because yeah. you make it cool, dude. You wear that hat and that hat is you. If I put on the hat, I'm a dude wearing someone else's hat. I don't. But that's, no, that's I, I, you've made that's, your own style. You know, your I own wake person. up in the morning, I grab my shit in the closet, and I go, I'm fucking living this. It's you, dude. You know? That's all I've ever known, though. I only know the final product. I never got to see you adventuring on your quest to become who you are, but. Oh, buddy. You're a leveled up wizard, my dude. I mean, we all have to do that. <laughs> even, liver, even leveled up wizards have to prepare their component sack. Right? right? That's what I'm doing. It's a long journey. You prepare your components, and you right. go, I'm going to go put my glamour spell out <laughs> on the world. Like, really? Right? Yeah. I got my retro hat. I got my retro jacket. Sure. I'm ready to fucking throw some style in the world. Here's hoping my spell works. <laughs> really? Hope I roll good. Hope yeah. I roll good. That's it. Yeah, man. And every night I come out, and I fucking I give it a shot. You know? And I hope to meet people that will... That would be into it. Sure. You know? I'm into it. I think you're a rad dude, man. That's, that's why, awesome, that's why you're here. Fucking A, dude. That's, that's cool. That's cool, dude. <laughs> I, I feel honored because this is a tight-knit place. Sure. Like, all y'all know each other. Big time. Far be it for me to come in and think that I'm something. You know what I mean? Hmm. Someone that has anything to say. You know what I mean? And I've been nothing but accepted. And that's fucking awesome man that makes me feel like i'm not so far off i've got similar things you know talking to guy tonight Mm -hmm. and we like we both like fucking you know the james gang (laughs) you know (laughs) and that's that's the magic of this place is you get to come in and be yourself and then hang out and get along with other people that are being themselves. Exactly. It, and you know, most of them have the same scared the look in their eye that I do before we go, hey, you like that song too? Mm. Right? Oh, you're into fucking Girl Gone Bad by Van Halen? <laughs> yeah. Right? Fucking I love this song. And then all of a sudden, boom. I'm talking to a guy who's from Louisiana, mm-hmm. was totally out of my political spectrum, and we have a thing that we can both go, your American experience is the same as my American experience. And though we might differ in ideals or ideas, we can still be here together as compatriots. Right. Having a good time. Hanging out. And my man, right now, I really feel like that is essential, Mm. right? Because everyone is looking for a reason to hate on each other. Right. And it's people that have the bravery to walk in and go, no, man, we have more in common, right? I know I look way different than most of the people, but it doesn't fucking matter. I get in their face and I say, we have more in common hmm. than we have in different, you know? And after a few words, a few sentences, an hour, a couple drinks, 
they would agree with me. Right? That's such a awesome like envelope of the of the whole scenario and situation, you know, cuz you have to push yourself to come out and be social. You're already trepidatious and you're already like, you know, I got to go out and I got to do this. I'm uncomfortable with it. Then you come here in a place that it, originally you think, I don't even know if I'm going to fit in. I don't even know if they're going to want to talk to me. At all. Well, you do fit in. And then you come in and then you sit next to some guy and he goes, I'm from Louisiana. And, you know, hail Trump or hail whatever. And, you know, you're like, well, here we go because I don't agree with this guy. And then the right song comes on and you're like, actually, we're both just two dudes hanging out, having a drink. And we have a lot to talk about. He said to me, you know, one badass band that no one thinks about is ZZ Top. And you know what the next song was? (laughs) My ZZ Top hit. (laughs) Right? And I was like, I'm right with you because here's the jam that I put on before I was even talking to you. (laughs) And I think it's so important to literally really remember that. Like we, we have so many things that we can disagree on, but there are so many more things that we all mostly universally agree on, you know? Absolutely. The differences are small and few and far between, and the agreeances are are very vast. But it's easy to That's focus right. on, you know, like uh, abortion or red or blue. And it's like, yeah, but there's a lot of other stuff that we're all like, we're all in a bar right now. All of us are inside because we want to be in a bar right now. So yeah. everyone in the building has at least one thing in common. <clears throat> we're happy and excited to be here. So there's that. And then you get into music or you get a jam or you get, you know, back. So in- I understand bar culture very, very well. Okay. And I feel like people who come to a bar, they want a friend. Sure. They do. That's why you go and pay That's four times why for a cocktail. They are here. <laughs> right. That's very easy. That's easy pickings. Hmm. You know what I mean? Now I can go, hey, how do you think about this? Right. Maybe, maybe, maybe the response will be like, oh, fuck off. And cool. Great. Mm hmm. But this is fertile soil. It's <laughs> an open I mean? social environment. Yeah. It's ready for someone to just go around and find where where it's at. Right. I mean, I've done this with bars through my whole life. This is why they exist. Sure. You know? And this bar in particular, I think, is prime for this. Hmm. Uh and I think, honestly, it's because not too many people do it. Hmm. I think in this bar, everyone kind of sticks to their clique. Hmm. And they're very, you know, they play pool with their guy. or They play their jams with their ladies. You know what I mean? Hmm. But it's really ready. It's open. <laughs> right. For some to walk up and go, hey, sure. what about this? And they're like... You're blowing my mind. <laughs> I want to talk to you. Yeah. You know? There is that openness, and that's, that's I why I feel I like that it's man. here. I really do feel that this bar, bar has it. You it's know? definitely here, because I've, I've pushed it sometimes with, you know, throwing things, side curveballs at people that I don't think would be accepting, and I'm consistently surprised with the openness of people. When he said Kanye was the best <laughs> composer in the world, I said, have you ever heard of a man named Chopin? You know? <laughs> Like, let's blow some minds, dude. Right. Yeah. You know, let's get in it. It's too funny. Let's duke it out. That's yeah, great. <laughs> well, yeah, we're almost at two hours, man. Yeah, we've been talking too much. My wife is going to be like, you need to sleep in the kids' room. I don't want to get you in trouble. Oh, but uh, I'm always in trouble. Come right. on. 
If huh? you could get me in more trouble than me, then I'd be surprised. Because <laughs> I am the best to get me into trouble. <laughs> I'm aiding and abetting. Uh, <laughs> but let's wrap this up, man. Do you want to give a shout out to your shop? And uh, So I- Premium Tattoo in Oakland, we've been open for 13 years. We do the best that we can for clients, dude. That's where we're at. Uh, great work, but client-driven cool. always, you know. Right on. Come and talk to us for sure. And uh, and Benicia, man, I'm going to give a little shout-out to Benicia because as, as somebody who's only lived here for a couple of years, I love this fucking town, mm. and the people in it are great. So thanks for having me, bud. Dude, thanks for being on the show. I appreciate it so much. And keep that badass jam. At the beginning. Oh, that is an awesome jam. Hell yeah. We had a whole like gr- glorious conversation about how much you enjoyed the uh, the tune in the beginning. Killer tune. So, shout out to uh, Kelvin Branson and Kyle Spangel for rocking that up for boom, us. Boom, boom. You guys are killing it. I'm all about it. Cool. All right. Let's wrap it up.